Nehemiah chapter 9. We're going to go through 9 and 10 hopefully today. And after tonight, we would have gone through almost the entire book of Nehemiah, leaving us now with only three chapters left in this book, right? So we're on Nehemiah chapter 9. And at this point, when we get to chapter 9, we've seen that the walls of Jerusalem have been built. We see that Nehemiah now is uh, introducing to us Ezra the priest who reestablishes the word of God. He brings in the book, right, of the law. And he now we see the spiritual revival that takes place because of the word of God. And that's exactly how re revival is maintained through the word of God and through prayer. But now as they hear the word of God, the nation of Israel, they are convicted in their hearts because of their sin. And this conviction from the word of God draws them to come and, and to fast and to pray and to mourn. And here we get in chapter 9, the longest recorded prayer ever in the Bible. <laughs> the longest recorded prayer in the Bible. Because they're coming in with true repentance. We ended with a, with a note last week. That true repentance desires to come to God in prayer. And if you didn't write that down, I hope that you would today. That true repentance desires to come to God in prayer. Because what does true repentance do? It comes to God in confession. That's true repentance. It comes to God in confession. And as they come here with the longest prayer that we have recorded in God's Word, they come and their priorities change in prayer. And it's amazing when we come to prayer and we can ask God, Lord, here in this prayer closet, if you need to, I need you to change up my priorities. Because I don't want to have the wrong priorities when I walk out of this prayer time. I've come to pray so that you can change my priorities. I come to pray so you can examine my heart, Lord. I come to pray because I have an understanding of your word now, and I want to come in confession, in repentance, and in fasting so that you can speak to me. And it's there when you come in repentance and brokenness that God is able to plant that seed of revival in your heart. You can't plant a seed of revival in a heart that has not been broken. That's why today we, we sang that song, Lord, I need you to soften my heart. You know what confession does? It softens your heart. You know what repentance does? It softens your heart. You know what prayer does? It softens your heart. And today when we study this chapter, I want us to ask God, Lord, soften my heart. I need you. Soften my heart because we need you. And he goes through this four-dimensional style of praying here where we see that he first prays upward, praying and praising God upward. So as he's praying upward, he's praying praise. Then he prays looking backward, looking at promises. Then he prays looking inward, looking at now his petition or his repentance now inward. But then he prays looking forward, looking at his pursuit. So he has upward praise, backward promise, inward petition, and forward pursue in this prayer. Let's go ahead and read now from verse 3 where we ended last week. And they stood up in their place and they read the book of the law, their God, for one-fourth of the day. 
and another four they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. For six hours total, they spent dedicated and devoted with a singular interest in mind. <laughs> do you have a singular interest in mind? Where this is the only thing that you want to do, you have separated yourself. They come now, and it says from verse 2 to verse 3, that they separated themselves from all these foreigners that were worshiping idols. What do you have to do? If you really want to see God, you must separate yourself. You can't seek God having said, I have not separated myself. They separated themselves. They came humbly. They came with now fasting. They came with prayer. They came with confession. They came convicted. But it says in verse 3 that they stood for the word of God. You see, that's when you know that revival is happening because you're standing for the Word of God. Not only are you standing physically for the Word of God, you're really standing in every aspect of your life. I'm standing up for the Word of God. That's when revival happens. And as they stood for the Word of God, it says that for six hours, they came in prayer and confession and reading. Why? Because it takes time to now spend time in the Word of God. I love this, this timeline that it sets up for us here going forward. That it says six hours. Because when you come seeking God, you can't rush that time. Right? You cannot rush that time. And now in verse 4, it tells us through verse 5, as it begins, and it says in the Levites, verse 5, Jeshua, Kadimil, Benai, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pithiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. What is this upward praise? Stand up and praise God now forever and ever. You know, a confessed, repentant, and broken heart, out of that heart emerges true worship. Because you realize what God has done for you, so you want to respond in worship. And he says, stand up, let's praise God. So you see here, the first portion of his prayer is upward. It's in praise. And from verse 4 to verse 6, it's all about praise. It's all about worship. When you go into prayer, I pray and I encourage you to start your prayers with worship. Don't go in starting your prayer now with petition. Start your prayer with worship because that's your alone time with God. How many times have we gone into prayer and we go in with petition? When we go in with request? When we go in in panic? There is nothing more beautiful that pleases God in the prayer closet is when you open up your prayer time with worship. Or you're just praising God for who He is. You want to get His attention, start like that. <laughs> because it says that's the way they started. It said, blessed be your glorious name which is exalted. Forever is exalted above all. Blessing and praise. Now they're praising His name. They're worshiping His name. It says, Your name is exalted, Lord. Your name is to be praised, God. You alone. There's no one else. Think about how they open the introduction of this prayer. Or the Lord, You have made the heavens and the heavens of heavens with their host, the earth and everything on it the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the creator, and all creation worships you. You see, when you start your prayer with a correct view of God, now you're going into prayer with the heart of God. Are you going in there with the correct view of God? He starts with an upward praise. Creation worships you. You are almighty. 
you are in control. Think how amazing would it be if you started your prayer, Lord, you are the creator, God Almighty, exalted should be your name. I praise you now, God, you are in control. You see, this is how they're starting their prayer. You see, quality prayer because it started from the heart of repentance. It started with praise. But now verse 7 through verse 31, they are now viewing now their prayer looking backward. And guess, look what they're saying as they look backward now and they're praying. And it says now, verse 7, as they look backward, they're looking to faithfulness. They're looking to the promises of God. And, and I encourage you, whenever you're discouraged, whenever your mind is full of doubts, whenever you're going through a trial, remember that God has never failed you. It, it is encouraging to look back on how faithful God has been so that you can step forward into what God has for you today. And it almost encourages you. That's why they're going to pray and they're going to look backward and they're going to say, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your providence. Thank you for everything you've done for us as they look backward. And you know what you, you notice in their prayer as they look backward? You notice that they say, you are the God of power. Number one, when we look backward in our lives, when we look towards the past, we can say that He is the God of power. When we look back in our lives, we can also say He is also the God of promise. When we look back in our lives, we can say He is the God of provision. Now, do those three promises do something to you in your prayer time? Lord, thank you because I can come in praise, but I also know that you are the God of promise as I look back. Lord, I know that you are the God of power as I look back. Lord, I know that you are the God of provision when I look back. And because of that, I am not fearful. I have no fear. I know you've never failed me because you are the God of promise, because you are the God of power, because you are the God of provision. That already solves your prayer request before you've even asked. When you realize that He's the God of power, the God of promise, and the God of provision, does that not already give you peace in what you're about to ask Him? That He is the God of promise, that He is the God of power, that He is the God of provision. When you think about those three aspects and characteristics of God, that His character is a powerful character, it's a character full of promise, it's a character full of provision, that already encourages you and what you're about to ask Him. But verse here 7, as they look back, they say, you are the Lord God who chose Abraham. They're going back to their genealogy and their ancestors. If you look back at the story of what God has done for you, Lord, thank you because you chose to use me. You chose me back when I was young. Lord, thank you because even then when I screwed up, when I failed time and time again, you were still with me. Lord, thank you so much because you always had a plan. You see, when you go back to God's promises here in, from verse uh, 7, here in verse 8, you see God's promises. He's the God of promise. When you know that God is the God of promise, when you know for certain that God is the God of promise, you know that God always has a plan. He always has a plan. And if you know that He's the God of promise and that He has a plan, that should automatically give you peace. Now he's saying here, you are the Lord God who chose Abraham and you brought him out. I love how he says out. From verse 7 to verse 31, he's going to use the word out. 
You brought him out of his comfort place. You brought him out now of Ur of the Chaldeans. And you gave him the name Abraham. Abram, you gave him the name Abraham. Why did you give him that name? Why did you bring him out? I understand this. God is the God of promise. God is the God that has a plan. God is the God that can give you peace. When he sees verse 8 in you. Because you found his heart faithful. God promises to those faithful hearts. You know, one of the things that God wants to look for you in your life, one of the things He's searching, He's searching for a faithful heart so that He can bring you out and He can make an, from an Abram to an Abraham in you and from you. Do you understand how much God wants to do in your life? God brought Abram from such a small place and He said, I want you to look as far as you can. I'm going to give you that. And I want you to look up and see if you can count those stars. I'm going to give you that too. Why? Because he found his heart faithful. You want the Lord to expand your capacity? Then start by being faithful. There's nothing that pleases God more than when he finds your heart faithful. How does he find your heart today? He wants a promise to give you that land. He wants a promise to give you that. This is the God of promises. But it's when he finds your heart faithful before you and you made a covenant or you made a promise with him. To give him the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites. To give him all his descendants. You have performed your words. Your words have never failed. Is this amazing when you go to God in prayer and you say, Lord, you're, you're the God of promise. And your words have never failed. You keep your promises to us. You are the God of promises. You have performed your words. You are righteous. You are not unrighteous. God is awesome. And when you know that He's the God of promises, and you know that He has a plan, when you look back and seeing how He's kept His promises from the past, how they have come about, does that not encourage you to face the future? Does that not encourage you in discouragement and doubt and trial and tribulation that I look back and I can see that God promised something and that He made it and He, and he brought it to pass? Now in verse 9 through now verse here 12, you see that He is the God now of power. From verse 7 to verse 8, you see He's the God of promise. From verse 9 through verse 12, you see that He is the God of power. You saw the afflictions of our fathers in Egypt. He goes back from Abraham. All the ge genealogy of how the nation of Israel began, right? And how they went to now the land of Egypt. And then they, be started, they became in bondage now in Egypt. And that they were being afflicted in distress. It says, you saw the affliction of your fathers in Egypt. And you heard their cry by the Red Sea. You saw them back in Exodus. And look what it says. And you showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against his servants, and against all the people of the land. You knew that they had acted proudly against them. You saw how they were being treated. How they were being mistreated. Have you remember when God's delivered you in the past? When you were being mistreated? And He became the God of power for you? That after He realized and He became the God of promise, that He also moved into that place and said, I'm the God of power. I'm going to deliver them. You saw how we were being mistreated and you delivered. It says here, So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. And you divided the sea. You split the sea. You made a way where there was no way, verse 11, before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. That's amazing. 
You would ask yourself, Lord, I am so discouraged, but you can look back and say, do you remember when God parted the Red Sea? Do you remember that month that you thought that He was not going to provide, but then He provided? Do you remember that time when you were praying and you didn't know where the answer was going to come, and last minute God parted a Red Sea for you? Does that not encourage you to face tomorrow? Does that not make you think like, oh, that's amazing. I remember when He parted the Red Sea, so of course He can do it again. Because He is the God of promise. Because He is the God of power that He can deliver. Because He can make a way where there's no way. And it says, and their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into a mighty waters. You delivered me in the past. You're going to do it again, Lord. Moreover, you led them by the day with the cloud pillar and by night with a pillar of fire. Do you remember when He was leading them? You led them? Thank you, Lord. I feel so lost. But I remember that you led me in the wilderness before. And you led me now with a pillar, a cloudly pillar at, during the day and by night with a pillar of fire. Do you know that God wants to lead you through the wilderness season? They're, they're, they're reminiscing what God already has done. They're reminiscing when they were distressed and God answered them. They're reminiscing when they were in danger and God protected them. They're thinking back when the Red Sea was there and they had nowhere to go, but God parted the Red Sea and He protected them and He made a way for them. They're thinking about when God led them and provided a way by day and by night, no matter what circumstance it was, that God was with them. That God never left their side. It said, you left them, you led them by day with a cloud, cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. Well, today God wants to give you light on the road that you're traveling on. And I don't know how dark that road looks. I don't know how empty that road looks. I don't know how much dry that road looks. But God wants to give you light in that road that you're traveling. And in verse 13 it says, You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. You gave them just ordinance and true laws, good statutes and commandments. What did He give now in His presence as He came down to speak with Moses? He came, He gave His presence, but He also gave His word. And you spoke to them. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and the commandments and the precepts, the statutes, the laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You spoke to them through what? through your word that you gave them. Lord, thank you because we can remember that you spoke to us through your word. You taught us. You instructed us. You gave us the precepts, the statutes, the commandments. And, and in verse 14, in verse 13 and 14, it says, you made known to them. Can you remember how God has revealed his word to you in the past and he's made it known to you? Thank you, God, because you made it known to me. So what have we seen so far in their prayer? We've seen in their prayer that God is a God of promise. He promised something to Abraham and He fulfilled it. Then He is a God of power because He now delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and gave them His word and spoke to them. So He's a God of promise. He's a God of power. But then we see from verse 15 that He is the God of provision. If you're in the wilderness right now, I want you to know that God is the God of provision. If you're struggling in some way, if you're thinking, I don't know what's going to happen, God is the God of provision. You can look back and say, God, I remember that time, but you still provided. 
Lord, we didn't know what we were going to do, but you still provided. And it says, verse 15, you gave them bread. Not only were we hungry, but you also fed us. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. God wants to meet our hunger. He wants to fill us. And you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in and possess the land. God gave you substance. God gave you provision. God supported you. He became the water of life for you in the wilderness. He became the bread of life for you in the wilderness. And He gave you that. He provided for you. Only so that He can tell you, go in. You know what God, t- God provides for you? Because He wants you to step in to His promises. God doesn't provide for you so that you can step back. God provides for you so that you can step in. Isn't that amazing that you see that? Go in to possess the land which you swore to give them, which you had swore to give them. He says, go in, step in. See, a lot of times we want to step into where God has called, but we haven't stepped out from where God called us from. And today, maybe God's called you to step out of your comfort zone so that you can step in as He provides for you in that next place in life. Do you see how they're looking back here and they're thinking about how faithful God is? When you look at the promises of God from the past, when you look at the power of God from the past, when you look at the provision from the God in the past, how can you not take a step of faith today? How can you not be obedient today? It makes me want to take a step of faith now today after I think about God, how He's been for us and to us in the past, how He promised it and it came to pass, how His power was there, how His provision was there. It should want to make you take a step of faith. But it said, but they and our fathers, in spite of all this, this is the story of our lives now, in spite of everything God has done, we acted proudly, arrogantly, arrogantly with pride you see God has always done this for us he's always come through for us but in a sense here historically we've hardened our necks and they did not heed the commandments or they did not were mindful of the commandments of God they were dis- they disregarded them they ignored the commandments of God and that word pride means that word hardened means they rebelled against God even though he was so good to them Think about how good God's been to us. And even though He's that good, we still harden our hearts. Today we have to ask God, soften my heart. Because He's been too good for you so you can walk around with that hard heart. God has been way too good to you so that you can be walking around with the hard heart. God has demonstrated His promise. He's demonstrated His power. He's demonstrated His provision. You have no reason to walk around with the hard heart. And look what it says here. We rebelled. We hardened our necks. We did not heed the commandments. We said, I don't care. And look what it talks about here in verse 11. They refused to obey. The word refuse, it's an act of the will. It's not that they couldn't. It's that they wouldn't. They chose not to. We refused to obey. And they were not mindful of your wonders. They forgot about how wondrous you were. That they did, that they didn't that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. They forgot to think about how wonderful you were. They hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return them to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon. What do they do when they harden their necks? They said, you know what? Let's go back now. Let's make an idol. Let's go back now. They wanted to go back into bondage. That's the story of our lives where you say, you know what? I'm going to choose second best for me. When God is saying, I've already demonstrated how 
good I can be for you. But look at, this is amazing in verse 17 that God is ready to pardon. In spite of our unfaithfulness, God is so ready to forgive. In spite of us always coming up short, God is ready to forgive. In spite of us hardening our neck, God is ready to forgive. In spite of us saying, you know what, I don't want God right now, God is ready to forgive. Because our, here it says, in the past, what did we do? We turned our back on God. We put Him second. We said, we don't really need God. But He was ready to forgive. Your grace is, you show so much grace in our lives. You didn't have to because of our behavior. But you had grace, you showed mercy, and you were slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. When you look back, God never abandoned you. Isn't that incredible that God never, even though you sinned, even though you were stuck in your sin, even though you were stuck in your ways, even though you were stuck in your rebellion, even though you were very prideful, God didn't abandon you. He didn't never forsake you. The Lord was still in that place. This is the faithfulness of God. I want you to know that today. He's ready to forgive. And in verse 17, He's faithful. Even when, verse 18 now, when was He faithful? Even when they made a molded calf or an idol. Even when we made an idol. God gave us something. We made an idol now. Even when they made an idol, a molded calf for themselves, they said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. Look, this is really your God that's made you successful. This is really your God that gave you all that success. Try to rely and trust on this. And worked great provocations. You provoke God with your behavior. Even when you provoke God with your behavior, verse 19, Yet in your manifold mercies, the, ma the manifold mercies of God are amazing. That it, he, he, he manifests His mercies to you, to you. It says, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. Would you underline that, church? You did not forsake them in the wilderness. I'm so thankful that God has not forsaken us in the wilderness. How many times have we gone through the wilderness and we have felt alone or lonely. But when you look at the Word of God, you can know that you're never alone. God has never forsaken you, even in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them the light and the way that they should go. Think about that. When they were turning their back on God, every night they still had that pillar. And every day they still had that cloud. Isn't that amazing about God? That you turn your back on God, but in the morning, that cloud was still there. And at night, that pillar of fire was still there. Because that's how faithful God is. He said, I'm still going to lead you the way through the wilderness. I'm not going to remove the cloud. I'm not going to remove the pillar because I'm showing you the way. I am not going to remove it. I never stop providing. Verse 20 now. You also gave them your good spirit to instruct them. And you, not, you did not withhold your manna from their mouth. God never said, all right, they're being rebellious. I'm not going to feed them. I'm not going to provide manna for them. He never will withheld what you needed. God never withheld what we needed. He never, this is in other words, He never stopped providing. Even when we are unfaithful, He never stopped providing. Does that not give you some comfort? Even when you were turning your back, and we were, and the nation of Israel were, He never stopped providing. 
and you gave them water for their thirst. He always met your needs. It's amazing to know that even in the most unfaithful times of our lives, God always still meets our needs. Forty years you sustained them. Thank you, God, because you have been my support. You have sustained us. You have supported us here in the wilderness. Here it is. They lacked nothing. Have you ever thought I'm missing so much? No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You have lacked nothing. Lord, if I had this or if I had that, you have lacked nothing because God has been faithful. They have lacked nothing. For 40 years, you didn't lack nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. I was reading this yesterday. I was like, Lord, thank you so much that for, since the, this ministry began, we've never lacked nothing. It makes me want to just take another crazy step of faith. <laughs> And it should make us want to step deeper into what God wants. I mean, when you look back, you've been this good. If you've been this good, imagine what you can do if we stepped out even further. We're not going to lack anything. It makes you want to be and do more meaningful things for God. It makes you want to be more meaningful in your life. I've never lacked anything, so why am I worried? God's going to meet my needs. He always has. I've never lacked nothing. He's always sustained me. He's always supported me. Verse 22. Moreover, you gave them, I love this, kingdoms and nations. Remember when Joshua came in the picture? Kingdoms and divided for them into districts. So they took possession of the land of uh, Sion and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, the king of Basham. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and you brought them out into the land which you had told their fathers. Verse 23, to go in and to possess. What did he do? He gave them land, he multiplied them and he brought them into the land. That is the God is the God that wants to multiply you. He wants to bring you in and he wants to multiply. We always think that God doesn't want to multiply. The Lord wants you to go in and possess and he'll work the multiplication out. Don't try to have him, don't try to multiply so that God can take you in. You step in there in obedience and God's going to multiply as you possess. So the people went in and possessed the land they subdued before them and the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with the kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. And they took their strong cities and the rich and possessed the houses full of all goods. The cisterns already dug vineyards of olive groves and the fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves within your great goodness. Do you remember when they went into the land of Canaan? What about before they went in? What do we know was in there? That Caleb and Joshua came out with abundance of fruit. And they said, no way. You would not believe what's in there. We saw fruit in abundance. The land is beautiful like something we've never seen. It said that they took strong cities and they took over things that they were already set up, already dug vineyards, already dug olive groves, already dug fruit trees. When, when I read this, it reminded me of when that bay door went up for the very first time and God said, already done, church. <laughs> you don't have to build anything. Just walk in there. It's already done for you. Isn't God good? You think about it, already done, I mean, who would have known? Already done classrooms. <laughs> already done church. You already had it all done. You already have set it up for you. God set up 
the promised land for them. Already set up. It says you ate, you grew, and you delighted yourself in the great goodness of God. You enjoyed yourself in the blessings when you came back to God. Nevertheless, they were, verse 26, disobedient. This is again what happens to us as believers. In spite of all this, we are disobedient. And you rebelled against and cast your law behind their backs. They said, all right, now we have everything we need. All right, let me go just turn my back on God. That's kind of the nature of our human hearts. And we cry out to God when we need Him. And then when He gives us back and He restores, what do we do? We're quick to go ahead and turn our back on Him again. You kill the prophets who testified against them to turn them yourself. And they worked great provocations against you. provoked God a great anger. He's thought, they're praying here. This is all a prayer. If you stop for a moment and you start to think about how God was faithful in spite of human and our, nat- and our human nature and our unfaithfulness, would that not bring you peace? Therefore you deliver them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them in time of their trouble. Who is the now here? Was it not Babylon? Was it not Persia that we've studied here in the previous chapters? And when they cry, you heard from heaven according to your abundant mercies. You gave them deliverers who served them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, you again. After they had rest, they again did evil before you. Again did evil. After they had rest, again did evil. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies, so they had dominion over them. Yet they returned and cried out to you, and you heard from heaven, and many times. Highlight many times you deliver them according to your mercies. Many times God has done this for you and for us. Many times He's done it. He hasn't done it only one time. This process, this cycle happened many times where God delivered you, you went back into bondage. He delivered you, you went back into bondage. Many times He delivered you according to your mercies. In verse 29, as He rescued and He he gave, Verse 29 tells us this, And testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. You wanted to show yourself. You warned them to bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed the commandments, but sinned against your judgments. Which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrug their shoulders, stiffen their necks. You know what shrug their shoulders means? I don't care. That's a bad attitude to have. They shrug their shoulders. I don't care if I'm not obeying God. I don't care if I'm not in the will of God. That's the worst place for us to be in. Why, what do we do when we're comfortable? We say, I don't need God's word. Let me just shrug my shoulders. Let me pretend that I don't care. Let me stiffen my necks, shrug my shoulders, and be about my way. Because it's about me. It's not about God. We have to be careful that we don't have a hard heart. That we don't have an I don't care attitude. That you don't sin willfully. Right? They didn't pay attention to God's word. And they became careless. They turned back. They refused to listen. Verse 30. Yet for many years you had patience with them. Thank you God for your patience. And you testified against them by your spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. God has given us so many opportunities. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Yet they did not listen. And it says, therefore you gave them into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, again, God's great mercy. Verse 31, God's great love. Verse 31, God's great compassion. 
You didn't consume them, utterly consume them. You didn't forsake them or abandon them. Why? Because you are God, gracious and merciful. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Even then, you did not forsake us. Even when you warned us, because of your great mercy, you never abandoned us. You never destroyed us because God is faithful even and in spite of our human sinful failure. You will fail, but God will never fail you. God will never fail. He has never failed us. And when you take a really a realistic view of the past, you look at the past, it can provide you not only assurance for the present, confidence for the present, but it can encourage you. Say, God, thank you because of what you've done in the past and in the, I know you're going to do it in the present, but it can ensure you that in the future, God's going to ensure a better future for you. But we must come to Him in this type of prayer. This is all them looking back at what God has done, at His promise, at His power. And also looking back, not only His promise and His power, but they're also looking back now when you look at these verses, they're looking at how faithful God has been in His provision. Let's look to see from verse 32 to 38 in the last six verses of this chapter and how they look inward now. They have looked upward and praised, back at His promise. Now, but let's look now inward in repentance because they examine. Now therefore, our God, this is the great, mighty, and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy do not let the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Do not think this is so insignificant to us. This means a lot to us, Lord. Our kings and our, pri our princes and our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and all our people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. Think about this, Lord. We have been unfaithful from all this time. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. You have not been unfair to us. Sometimes we think, oh God, you're so unfair. This is so unfair. It's not unfair. God's a just God. He's never been unfair. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. This is the nature. They're going back and they're saying, Lord, you've never been unfair. We've done wickedly. That's repentance. That's looking inward. Lord, you've always been fair. You've always been gracious. I'm the one that's been now sinful and rebellious and hard at heart and hard at neck. You never turn from us. We've been unfaithful. Neither our kings, nor our princes, our priests, or our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandment, your testimonies, which you have testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom. All these leaders never served you. They weren't godly leaders. All these kings always turned their back. It says, Or in many good things that you gave them, or in large or in rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked ways. God, when they gave you, when Lord, you gave them little, when you gave them a lot, whatever it was, enlarged and enriched, you, that you set before them, they did not turn from their wickedness. They did not turn from their wickedness. You see how they go and they look inside and they say, Lord, I know you're looking to my heart. Like what the psalmist said, Lord, search my heart and try me and see if there's anything that doesn't please you. You know what they were doing? They were being honest. They were being transparent. They weren't trying to play the part. And they start to look inward and repent and saying, Lord, we've been wicked. We've sinned, but you've been faithful. From verse 36 through verse 38 now, you see them looking forward in their prayer now. Because it doesn't stop a repentance 
It stops when you, it continues, I'm sorry. It doesn't stop at repentance. It continues when you're saying, all right, I'm going to make a decision today of what it's going to be like going forward. Repentance brings you to confess. But then you have to make a decision of what it's going to be like going forward. So what is it going to be like going forward? Are you going to choose to continue with the hard heart? He's going to, look what, they're, what they do. Here we are, servants today. Going forward, here we are, Lord, servants today. But when we use that word servants, we're slaves of people, of man. And the land that you gave our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. Lord, you gave us all this land and we became slaves in this land. Lord, you gave us all of this and we became slaves to these people. Instead of being a servant for God, we became a, ser a servant for man. What a tragedy. They were intended to be servants of God and they became servants of man. It says here, here we are. And it yields much increase. All this land is giving and benefiting so much. But to the kings, we're not able to be blessed with everything you gave us. Because it's all going to the kings. You have set over us because of our sins. These foreign kings were getting all the benefit of the land that was intended for the people. They were serving man. They couldn't serve God directly. Also, they have dominion over us, our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. You know when you become in great distress? Because the enemy comes and he takes the cattle, he takes the fruit, he takes the blessing, he takes everything from you. And you become now very miserable until you cry out to God and say, I'm going to make a decision. This day going forward, it's not going to be the same. This day going forward, it's not going to be the same. Because verse 38, they come to a place where they make a decision and they renew now. They make a decision, they root. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Put it in writing. There's something that's important about when you put it in writing. Lord, it's going to be different from now on. I'm going to put it in writing now. <laughs> Have you ever written something in your Bible maybe? Or in a journal, whatever it is that you take notes in? I'm going to put it in writing that it's going to be now different. I'm going to renew my obedience to God. Have you ever wanted to go somewhere and you know that, you know, I don't trust them. So can you put that in writing real quick before I leave? Uh, are you sure you're going to do that? Yeah, all right, put it in writing for me. I go, you know, at work it's so interesting because people always want you to write the most exaggerated things. You can't even put that together. They just want you to just put it in writing for some reason. <laughs> you know what happens? That they wanted to set a document that they were going to live by. You know what the document was? God first, everything else second. That's the document that they wanted to live by. That was the constitution of what they wanted to live by. God first, everyone else second. And it says, because of this, we, we're going to make a covenant. We're going to make a sure promise. We're going to make a decision now. Based on everything we've just prayed for. A clear line of separation. Our leaders, our Levites, our priests, seal it. You know what leaders do? They make decisions. They make decisions. God's called you today to make a decision. Based on how faithful He's been to you to make a decision that going forward it's not going to be the same it's not going to be the same he's been too faithful to you so that we can continue in our own ways it's not going to be the same and you know what they do they put it in writing today put it in writing because it really means something to you because it means something to you let's go ahead and pray
Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, because when we look at back, Lord, at how faithful you've been, we see that you have been the God of power, the God of promise, and the God of provision, Lord. You never failed us. We've never lacked anything. Lord, we've seen our rebellion, how we harden our heart, God. But you've still been faithful. And as we look forward, we want to make a decision that it's not going to be the same. We're not going to have a proud attitude where we think we're right and everyone else is wrong. We're not going to just shrug our shoulders and walk away. We're here because we want to make a commitment because we want to put it in writing that it's not going to be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Together we said.